Welcome to the Relationship Church Podcast. One of the greatest parts of movies is the climax. It's where all hope seems to be lost. Then things take an unexpected and favorable turn. In today's message, Flip the Script, Oluwashako dissects the life of Joseph, uncovering ways we can have hope in helpless situations. All right. So Genesis chapter 50, verses 18 through 20, and I'll be reading from the New International Version. Scripture says, his brothers then came and threw themselves down before him. We are your slaves, they said. But Joseph said to them, don't be afraid. Am I in the place of God? You intended to harm me. But God intended it for good to accomplish what is being done now, the saving of many lives. And from this passage, we'll use as a thought today, flip the script. Flip the script. As I was being led by the Lord to study this to to share and prepare for everyone today i just kind of wondered i was like okay i've heard this term many times flip the script i'm used to hearing it uh or i should say i I first heard it as a kid listening to you know rap music so i was like but i want to know where where this term came from so i went to uh one of the greatest Um, houses, one of the greatest bodies of uh, information and definitions today, Urban Dictionary, to find out (laughs) where it came from and how it started. Now, there were a number of different um, definitions and learned that it could have come from some different places. Uh, One is that, uh, you know, it's used in rap battles where uh, people will take the information that uh, they've received from their opponent and flip it on them. You know, uh, it also came up, which I didn't know about it, or people have said that it actually originated within the graffiti scene where rival uh, graffiti artists would take the tag of their rival and do it upside down. Uh, they would do that as a means of showing that their uh that their tag was kind of simple. It was easy. I can do it upside down. It was also a way of showing their own superiority and their artistic skills. So they would literally flip the script upside down to show that. But for me, whenever I hear the term flip the script, I think of things turning all the way around. I mean, like literally flipping a script. You know, you you read a script and you see that all these things are happening. And then all of a sudden you turn the page and now uh, things seem to have been turned all the way around. That's what comes to my mind when I think of the word or think of the term flip the script. So with that in mind, we're going to look at three aspects of Joseph's life, his journey from dream to reality, the enemy's plan to end his dream and God's sovereignty in it all. Oftentimes, when the Lord gives us a promise 
or when when he establishes things in our lives when he's starting us on our journey he'll give us the destination he'll he'll say that he plans to do this in our life that he plans to do that in our life but many times he doesn't share with us the things we'll have to go through in order to get to that place that he's promised and he's wise he knows um when i think of this i think of the children of israel and how when they came out of egypt the fastest way uh would have been one way but they would have had to go through many more battles and things that could have discouraged them and turned them around so he took them the long way around uh to get to the point of entering into the promised land because he knew what they needed i think likewise with us if we knew what we had to go through to obtain the promises of God, we'd probably be like, ah, that's all right, Lord. I, I, I'm good where I am. I, I, I'll be mediocre. <laughs> I, I don't need or I don't want the greatness if I've got to go through uh, this pain and suffering. So in his wisdom, often he will give us the destination. He'll give us the end goal. He'll tell us where we're going to end up, but he doesn't necessarily give us the uh, the information as to how we're going to go about getting there. Not always. Sometimes he will, but uh, many times he won't. Now, when Joseph got this dream, when and uh, it happened twice, and we'll see that that's a running theme through Joseph's life. And the number two is a number of confirmation. So he received this dream uh, of the Lord, of uh, the bowing down of the sheaves and then the bowing down of the sun and moon and stars to, to his star, that he took that and he shared it with his family, shared it with his brothers, shared it with his father. And we have to realize that Joseph's relationship with his family was not the best relationship at all. His relationship with his brothers wasn't the best because he was the favorite son. And it was known that he was the favorite son. And his other brothers hated him because of this. Now, he knew that they hated him. He knew that they couldn't get along with him. The scripture says that they could not speak peaceably to Joseph. This was before the dreams, that whenever they had interactions with Joseph, it was some drama. You know, they, they just couldn't find a way to even have a peaceful conversation with him. There was always animosity. And then here he comes, you know, uh, and say in, in all his, his exuberance and, and all his excitement, fellas, fellas, I had a dream. My sheep, we were binding sheaves together and mine stood up and yours bowed down to me. Well, you know, they don't like you. So you really think sharing this information with them is going to cause them to, to uh, feel uh, more love and, and, uh, and be and have excitement for you and, and for them? No, they don't like you. You little twerp. You told on us when we were uh, when we were doing our thing out in the fields, your daddy's favorite. And we'll see that uh, in his interaction with them that they were out doing the work. He was back at home with daddy, you know? So, okay, now, you know, you're the favorite child already. We know Reuben messed up. So after uh, daddy's gone, he probably is not gonna put him uh, in, 
you know, in the head of the family. So you telling me that, that we're going to bow down to you, that we're going to be subject to you and we don't like you. And then you come and say this again. And, and his father was like, okay, now hold on a minute now. It, it was cool. That was cute <laughs> when you said that to your brothers. You know, even though many of his brothers probably had children older than Joseph. You know, but that, that was cute. But now you're telling me me and your mom going to bow down to you too? Now, he held that in his mind, you know, but he was like, you know, you, 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 uh, uh, you, you, you little beside yourself right now, son. But in either way that it went, what God said was going to come to pass. The promise started with the dream. That was the groundwork that was laid. It was laid through the dream. But that dream was a personal dream. Now, not saying that he was not supposed to share that information with his brothers because he was. That was a part of God's plan. But just know that what God has given you is for you. It's not necessarily for, for everyone else. So be careful who you share your dreams with uh, because it is indeed for you. And you know, reveal it to those who he leads you to reveal it to, uh, but it's not for everyone. Because even in revealing this dream to his brothers, and needing to reveal this dream to his brothers, they looked to bring an end to the dream. Genesis chapter 37, verse 20 says, come on, let us kill him and throw him into one of the pits. We can say that a vicious animal ate him. Then we'll see what becomes of his dreams. So they were saying, all right, I, I, yeah, we know about your dream. We, saw, we see you coming afar off. Uh, yeah, we got something for you in your dreams. The dream can't come to reality if you are not alive. Oftentimes when we look at or when we're, uh, when we're told about the story in the account of Joseph, you know, we, we talk about the fact that he was thrown into the pit. But we don't really pay attention to the fact, or at least I hadn't, that they were like, no, we're going to kill him and throw him in this pit. Then Reuben said, no, no, let's not lay our hands on him. Just put him in the pit and, and he'll, he'll die on his own because he can't get out of there, which is bad you know, in and of itself. And that's still murder, but it's just not you actively putting your hands on him and shedding uh, his blood. You're just allowing him, you, you're putting him somewhere and leaving him to die. After a while, when, you know, Reuben went away to do something, and that was God's uh, design as well, Judah saw the Midianite traders coming and was like, hold on, hold on, fellas. He is our flesh and blood. He is our family. Let's not just leave him to die. We'll, we'll sell him to them. He'll go off, you know, live his life. He'll still die, but we won't have to hear from him. You know, it'll be as if he's dead, and, and then plus, we don't get anything by letting them die this way anyway. At least we can get some money out of it. That, that's a whole nother subject for another day that you would look to profit off of the suffering of your family. Mm, my God. But this is where Judah's mind was. And the Lord allowed this to be. It was all a part of his grand plan his grand design for that dream to come to reality 
See, Ruben said just to throw him in the pit because he planned on going back and getting him and bringing him to his father. He'd already messed up. He knew how long uh, uh, Israel's memory was. And that was shown by when Israel was dying and he gave his final proclamations to each of his children. He started off with Reuben. It was like, you are my firstborn. You know, I love you. And you defile my bed. How long ago that was? Who knows? But Joseph kept that memory. He knew it was like, okay, I know how bad things are. I didn't say Joseph, I meant Jacob. I know how bad things are when daddy is crossed. This is his favorite son. If he dies or if something happens to him, that's not going to be good. So he was trying to uh, keep his father from any more pain. However, again, uh, he went off to do something. And when he came back, Joseph was gone. So they took him, sold him to the Midianite uh, traders who were Ishmaelites. So family members, distant relatives, but family nonetheless. And he went from being ready to be killed and thrown into the pit to being left in the pit, to being pulled out of the pit and now sold into slavery that is his reward it's like okay you get to live you're just gonna be a slave but that did not stop joseph from doing everything he could to please god even in the bonds of his slavery he did everything with excellence and that's such a, a great lesson for us to hold on to. No matter where we are, no matter what's going on in our lives, are we living them in a way that's going to please God? Are we going to give him glory by how we act, by what we do, regardless of the situation that we're in? Is that situation always right? No. Is that situation always pleasant? Absolutely not. But regardless of the situation, Lord, you are worthy to be praised and I am going to worship you with my life. I'm still going to give my, my all. I'm still going to move in excellence, even though I'm in this horrible situation. That is the way that Joseph approached things. And he went from just being a slave in his master's household to being over the whole house. The only thing that Potiphar had to worry about or that he concerned himself with was what he was gonna eat for dinner. That was it. That was it, everything else Joseph handled. And the Lord, again, he, he, he elevated him in that position. And what does he get for that elevation? He gets an attack. He becomes a target once again. Potiphar's wife saw him, and, and the Bible says that uh, Joseph was a, um, a well-built, handsome young man, you know, so he was buff and, and, and good-looking, little, little young tender, and, and Potiphar's wife was like, uh-huh, uh, I see you, and I, I suspect this isn't the first slave that she has approached in this manner. I just, I just don't think this is the first time. However, this was one of this was probably the first time that she had them saying no to her. 
And the Bible says that every single day he entered the house to work. She propositioned him. There wasn't a day that went by where he was just trying to do his job. And he told her, this is horrible. I can't sin against God. Ten Commandments hadn't been given at the time. But he knew that it would be a sin against God for him to commit adultery with Potiphar's wife. He's like, I cannot do that. I can't sin against God. Plus, your husband has been so good to me. Even in my bonds, he's been good to me. And I'm not going to do that to him. But she kept coming after him, kept coming after him and waited until the time was right and literally pounced on him. There was nobody in the house. And she took this buff young man up by his collar and was like, oh, it's going down. And him and all his strength could not wrestle himself away from her clutch. And he had to leave his, his coat, leave something that, that, that gives comfort, leave something that provides protection, had to get out of his coat and then run away. This is the second time that, that he had an issue with his coat. It's his uh, coat of many colors was taken by his brothers. That, that coat that, that showed his father's love from him was taken away. Now he has to leave the coat that he has on in order to please God. Are we willing to leave? the comforts that God has given us? Are we willing to allow ourselves to be exposed in order to please God? Are we willing to go to those lengths for him to get the glory out of our lives? We've got to be like Joseph. And sometimes we, we have to expose ourselves. Sometimes we have to go to places that are not as comfortable so that God can be pleased. Not only did he wrestle his way out of the coat but then he ran he literally ran he knew that i can't play with this at all that me just getting out of this is not enough i've got to get out of here because if i don't something bad is gonna happen are we willing to run away from the temptation will we say no i can't be anywhere around this thing I'm not going to play with it. I got to get away so that I can do what God says do. And so that I can please my savior. So he did that. And what does he get for taking the high road, for doing what pleases God, for going through the, the, the embarrassment of running around without his coat on? He gets put in prison. <laughs> he gets placed into prison. Now, you know, we, we talk about false imprisonment and, and things of that nature, especially in the U.S. justice system. It, this stuff didn't just start happening. We see here that Joseph was also falsely in prison, thrown in uh, to custody on some trumped up charges. And that, again, was by design. See, said that Potiphar was very, very angry when he heard of this, that he, he was wroth. I mean, he, he was fired up and understandably so. I would be if I find out that 
my because joseph was his right hand man i find out that my right hand man is trying to sleep with my wife and not to sleep with my wife take advantage of her oh i'll be hot as a firecracker i probably would not have put joseph in prison i probably would have killed him especially with the position that he held uh as being the the captain of the guard he probably had all right to kill joseph and go on about his life but that wasn't god's plan that wasn't god's plan he had to go into prison my god because there was another level that the lord was preparing to take him to yes he had mastered managing potiphar's house which was a great uh undertaking in and of itself now in his bonds in being in prison he will go to ruling and running the entire prison complex because god was with him because uh, the lord was blessing him he was able to do those things that was god's way of, of saying and showing to him again i'm with you yeah, I see where you are. I know it's not right. I know it's painful. I know the trouble that you experience, but I am with you. I'm yet blessing you. I'm yet keeping you. I am yet elevating you. Saints of God, we need to be mindful to see the fingerprints of God in our life as we're going through the different testing trials that we're in. Is it bad? Yes. Are the things that we're going through necessarily right? No, but God is with us. He's yet helping us. He is yet keeping us. And his word is yet true. Whatever he said he's going to do, he's going to do it. Look at Joseph's situation. He went from the Lord telling him that his brothers and his, his parents will bow down to him to being in prison. How much further away from the promise can you get than being in prison? It looked like it, there was no way possible for God's word to come to pass. But again, it was all a part of his plan. It was all because and through his sovereignty that these things would happen. They're in prison. Again, uh, another confirmation in twos. Two of the prisoners, high-ranking prisoners, these were the chief butler and the chief baker. Pharaoh's top people in these areas both angered him and were both put into prison. That may be why, instead of killing uh, Joseph, Potiphar put him in prison because maybe that was kind of the the way that things happen you get mad at somebody they do something wrong you put them in prison wait a minute and then you come back and and decide what their fate will be and that's what happened uh with these gentlemen they were placed in prison around the same time and uh they were both distraught because of dreams and not knowing what the dreams meant joseph uh, was real and was like look god is the one who interprets the dreams tell me what what you saw tell me what happened and let's see what the Lord has to say. For one, they will be restored. For the baker, he will be killed. And he told, Joseph told the butler, look, when you are restored, don't forget about me. 
tell Pharaoh I'm in here on these trumped up charges. You know, that 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 Potiphar, whose prison they were in at that time, they say that that uh, the butler and the baker were kept in Potiphar's house. So it's not like Potiphar didn't still have interactions with them. He still uh, saw what was going on. They were in uh, the, the prison of the, uh, the, the captain of the guards, which was Potiphar. So they know what's going on. They know who Potiphar is. They know the, the whole deal. And he told them, don't forget about me. So when he was restored, what did he do? He forgot about him. <laughs> but again, this was all by God's design. Now, granted, you know, he, he could have had a lot of stuff going on. They were released because it was uh, Pharaoh's birthday, you know, so he may have had a lot to do to help with preparing for the feast and, and things of that nature. Um, you know, and time went on, though, and he forgot. You know, I, I'm sure that, that Joseph waited there patiently, you know, uh, a couple of days. He's going to say something. Okay, okay, a week has passed. All right, well, maybe, maybe he'll get to it now. Okay, Pharaoh's birthday party is, is done. Okay, well, maybe he was just waiting for that. Okay, three months has passed. A year. Now two years. And nothing. Nothing has changed. I'm still in prison. I'm still doing my best to bring God glory here, even though nothing has changed in my life and it i, I had a, a a bit of hope because i was able to share this and i thought i'll be coming out and i'll be able to go back with my family and life will will be as it should be or at least as he thought that it should be but god's plans and his ways are above our ways his thoughts are above our thoughts Joseph probably was thinking, I'll be able to go back with my family. But God was like, no, I'm going to bring your family to you. So you, you're thinking about just going back to your father's household. No, 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 no. That's not my design for you. My design is to make you, you've been number two all this time. Number two to Potiphar. Number two to the warden. And now I'm going to make you number two to the king of the greatest superpower known to man at this time. You're going to run all of it. Uh, Pharaoh says like that. Outside of the fact that I'm king, everything is under Joseph's command. He just isn't king. That, that's the only thing he doesn't have is a title of being king. Outside of that, it's all under him. You do what he says. You, uh, you do everything as if you are talking to me. Do it all as if you are talking to me. Whatever he says, you do that. And that was God's plan all along. He planned on saving many, many lives through all that pain, glory to your name, through all that suffering, through all the tears, through all the trials, through all the frustration that was all being done so that many lives many, many lives could be saved. And in the scripture that we read today to start things off, that's what Joseph told them. It's like, don't be afraid. I'm not going to do anything to you. I know what you meant, but God planned on doing this to save the lives of many people, saving the life of my family, 
saving the life of all the Egyptians, saving the life of the people in Cana who were uh, touched by the, the famine. It was all to save these lives. The pain and the suffering that we are experiencing right now is not just for us and it is not for no reason. God wants to get the glory out of this chapter of our story. He wants to be lifted up by how we don't let go of his unchanging hand. This is his desire. This is his design for the things that we are going through. In his sovereignty, he knows what's going to happen. He knows the, the uh, end from the beginning. He allowed that dream to come to Joseph so that Joseph would have hope, so that Joseph would hold on in all of his trouble. What has God said to you? What promises of his have you read in his scripture? that have, have touched your soul, that have really grabbed on to your heart? Are we holding on to the fact that in him, everything is yea and amen, that not one word of his will fall to the ground, that, that not one thing that he says will fail. Everything he says will come to pass. Are we holding on to that? He's sovereign and he knows. And he, he's so, he's so wonderful. He's so wonderful. He often uses uh, uh, different examples to, again, confirm things. So just like uh, the, the dream came to Joseph before he went through and, and got to the place of, of, of leading his people, he did the same thing with Jesus. When Jesus was baptized by John the Baptist, the, uh, the Lord audibly spoke and said, this is my son with whom I am well pleased. Then what happens? He goes into the wilderness to be tempted. That temptation then develops him. And after that, he goes into public ministry. That public ministry allows the word of God to spread throughout the land at that time for him then to go and die. And outside looking in, him dying on the cross looked like an end to the promise, just like Joseph being in prison looked like an end to the promise. But little did they know that it was just a setup to bring us all out. Hallelujah. Glory to your name, God. It was a setup to save lives in Joseph's case. And let's put a bow on this. Let's bring this all together. Jesus would not have lived had not Joseph gone through what he went through. Because it was promised that the Savior would come through the line of Judah. Judah, the same one who said, let's send him off into slavery. That Judah was the lineage through which the salvation of the world would come. If Joseph didn't go through what he went through, we would not have the right to access the tree of life today. Yes, 
Joseph knew that it was the saving of many lives there that happened because of him going through the things that he went through. Little did he know that the salvation of the world was predicated on his pain and suffering. My God, we don't know what the Lord is going to do for us, through us, because of us holding fast to his word and going through the things that we're going through. This is not just to, to, to bring sorrow to us. This is not made to, to take us out, but it is made to make us new, to bring things out of us. When the children of Israel, when his brothers came and bowed down before him, first thing they did was bow before him, not because of who he was, but because of the position that he held. They fulfilled the dream. The prophecy came to pass. They bowed before him to then ask of the grain. They didn't know who he was. He knew who they were, but they did not know who he was because of everything that he went through. He didn't look like the Joseph that they knew. He didn't look like that little, little punk brother who was always telling on us and, and doing that. No, uh-uh. His, his image was totally different. What are you, mm, my God, glory. What are you going to look like when you come out on the other side of this? What are you, what is going to be your appearance when God brings you out of this situation? What kind of power will you have? What kind of impact will you have because you have held on to what God has said and he has brought you out and he has placed you in a place of leadership? What are you going to look like? How many souls are going to be saved? What kinds of nations will be changed and birthed because of what you are going through and because you're going through things in the best manner that you possibly can. Again, God in his sovereignty knows the beginning from the end. He knew how Joseph's brothers will react to him. He knew that Joseph's heart would be the way that it was, which is why he could allow him to go through that. He knew that instead of Potiphar killing Joseph that he would just imprison him so that he could be in the place that he needed to be to speak to the people he needed to speak to to turn things around he knew that Pharaoh would have those two dreams again to confirmation knew that he would have those two dreams and knew that in those two years between saying what uh what the the baker and the butler's dreams were to then saying something and, and, and interpreting Pharaoh's dreams that if he was not in prison, he would not have been in place. We may be in the situations that we're in right now because of what God wants to do for us and through us. And that if he let us out of this situation right now, when it's time for him to move on our behalf, we'd be out of place. Let's not... Mm, glory to your name, God. Glory to your name, God. Let's not despise 
our current situations. Let us not let, let us not hold this thing in contempt. Let us glorify the God of our salvation and trust that he knows best. Hallelujah. He knows what is best for us. He knows that as we stay where we are right now, that he will turn things around, that he's going to flip the script. But in order for him to flip the script, we've got to play our part. Hallelujah. We've got to play the role that he has given unto us. Just like he knew that Barabbas had to play his role and, and look like the Jesus that the people wanted. And again, in two, set him free and killing off the Savior. But he had to die so that our sins could be forgiven. He had to shed his blood so that we could be free. So in conclusion, he knows the plans he has for us, plans to prosper us, plans to cause us to, to be more than who we are, plans to develop us, plans to make us look like we've never looked before. We must patiently wait for him to do that. But while we're waiting, Let's hold fast to his promises. Let us do everything that we can in excellence. Let us look to please him with our actions, with our attitudes, with our lives. Know that his promises are yea and amen. If he said it, he is going to do it. Don't doubt. Don't lose faith. Don't lose hope. Hold fast to what he said, because regardless of what we see, regardless of what we go through, regardless of what we're experiencing, his word is more sure than any of those things. Let's just take a moment and, and thank God for our situations. Thank him for where he has us and thank him for what he is going to do in our lives, hallelujah. Glory to your name, God. Oh, you're so wonderful, Jesus. You're so merciful, Jesus. Oh, you're a faithful God, hallelujah. You are a faithful God. Oh, we can trust you, Lord, hallelujah. Thank you, Lord Jesus, oh, you're so good. Mm. In my mess, you're good. In my pain, you're good. In my struggling, you're good. Hallelujah. When I am falsely accused, you're good. When I'm going through for something that I didn't do, you are good. Hallelujah. And your promises are faithful. Hallelujah. Glory, 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 glory to his name. We pray that today's message has been a blessing and makes an eternal impact on your life. Come join us live on Sunday at 1245 p.m. Central Time. If you're in the St. Louis metro area, we meet at 1060 Chambers Road, a little over a mile south on Bell Fountain Road, 
from Highway 270. You can also join us via Zoom. The login number is 314-720-8880. You can call that same number to reach someone on our ministry team or text the word connect there to be in the know regarding upcoming events. Again, that number is 314-720-8880. We are Relationship Church. Come grow with us.